God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Kavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, yeah, we did get a lot of feedback yesterday from um, people who wanted the address, and uh, I'm going to give this address out one more time. This is uh, related to Al Locke uh, and his passing on April 22nd. And uh, Susan Locke sent me out uh, information earlier this week. Uh, instead of flowers uh, to the uh, uh, to this funeral, um, the funeral will be held on Thursday, April 29th, 2021. That's Thursday at Washington Memorial Chapel. And here's the address. So if you want to get this address, and I did email a lot of people that emailed into me, and I'll do that again today as well. Um you can email me at scott at scottadamshow.com in case you missed this address. But the funeral will be held on Thursday, April 29th, 2021, at Washington Memorial Chapel, 2000 Valley Forge Park Road, King of Prussia, PA, 19406. Family and friends will be received in the chapel from 12 p.m. until the service begins at 1 p.m. A graveside service will follow in the Washington Memorial Cemetery, and then guests are invited to attend a reception back at the church. In lieu of flowers, memorial contributions may be made to the Washington Memorial Chapel for their stained glass window restoration project. That's a stained glass window restoration project. When you send your um, donation in lieu of flowers, uh, you know, put it in the name of Al Locke. Exactly. Al Locke and, and Susan Locke uh, own and run the restaurant. Uh, I mean, a restaurant. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the radio station. You what? said restaurant because they were always so welcoming. That's yeah. why you said that. Their hospitality. Their hospitality. That was um, what was on your mind. I don't know why I said restaurant. <laughs> but, um, they, yeah, they own the station uh, in Philadelphia. They gave us our first syndicated break. Uh, we followed in the footsteps of Laura Ingram when she retired 
we took over that slot and um, we we're forever grateful for that but we we have a long history with the locks going back to 2015 when we met them at the Northeast uh, Le- uh, Republican Leadership Conference exactly in Philadelphia and they've been nothing but kind to us and and uh, they're one of these people where um, when they say they're going to be somewhere they're there they go there they show up they make a difference they fight for um, the grassroots politics. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, really are all about the limelight. They they do things because it puts them in the spotlight. And I can tell you that the people that run WFYL 1180 AM, uh, they do not do it for the spotlight, folks. They do it because they care about our country. And that, that to me, they're a prime example of what grassroots politics is all about. Because they do it because they know that each individual is a candle that shines a light. And they're not about being up on the stage and being the light. They're about being one, one part of that uh, apparatus. You know, They're, they're uh, a candle. And a thousand zillion candles makes a broader light. Uh, so they are, they are all about... Con- their contribution and their place in pushing an, an agenda forward uh, and standing up for what they believe is right, and frankly, we agree with them. Right, and they're and they're also issues. about what what what's doing right under God's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very much. They're you know they're very um, religious people, people of faith, yeah. and people of uh, being true. Who and believe it's not in for being show. Truth to yourself. It's we not walked for show. into the station. And, uh, you know, we were about to head into the studio and we opened up the studio door and oh, they're praying, you know, yeah. and there's a prayer circle there. And uh, no one can see that. No one sees that. But that's exactly what they did. So um, I gave the address out um, and it would make a difference. You know, I, I know this church they've been going to for many, many years and uh, they're working on a stained glass project. Rather than send flowers, why not send a donation to help them with their stained glass and uh, make the church better? And it's, a, it's in the Valley Forge area. Um, and if you have any questions, again, email scott at scottadamshow.com. I have the information. I'll be happy to send it to you directly and, um, and try to make a difference in their lives um, as they go through this tough time uh, with the loss of Al Locke. And may he rest in peace. So we're going to move on now with the news, and um, uh, and here we go. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to do a transition like well, that. Well, you know, though, right? it is difficult <laughs> to do a transition. But what I will will say is, uh, you know, taking the cue from the locks, you know, the radio show must go on. You yeah. know, we, we 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 continue. You know, um, every story um, is a continuum of our role on this earth, and yeah. So, uh, and there is a lot going on, and the battle continues every day the battle continues the fight for our country the fight for our liberty and we've got right. plenty of examples to bring up today right. as we always do well th- we'll start off with something light okay and meaningless apparently the oscars <laughs> <laughs> the oscars <laughs> oh my gosh all right so the oscars in 2019 they had 29.6 million viewers in 2020 in 2020 they dropped from 29.6 in 2019 to 23.6 million in 2020. And, and, and in 2020, they came on just before the pandemic 
became a, our right. national focus. And in 2021, you're not going to believe this. What is it? 9.85. That, no, actually, I didn't know the number. That was about what I was going to guess. And I'll tell you this. That's you, less than that. That is a that is a humongous drop off. And, and I, I can't can, be happier because I, you know, I just think. And, and model, by the way, if that doesn't tell you that Biden didn't get 81 million votes, I don't know what could well, there, possibly there, tell I, you that. I can give you Leonora's three drivers here. One is everybody is so fed up with a lot of the uh, left wing of Hollywood, but that's an obvious one. People are tired of the virtual uh, events. Uh, or actually, I have three, three reasons. Nobody has seen the movies. And then the fourth reason, a lot of people used to tune in, women in particular, to look at the clothing. Well, even if people are dressed, a lot of people are not going anywhere. They don't need a dress. Oh, not so only that, why but I'm watch? sure, and I didn't watch, but I'm sure that masks were part of the costume. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, you know, our president is having a Zoom meeting wearing a mask. And for what reason? I have no idea, except it precedes the mask mandate uh, orders that he's coming out with new rules. And like I say, I've been sick and I was getting out for a walk for the first time in like a week. And I was like, wow, everybody's wearing masks. It doesn't make any sense. But what it reminded me of, too, was it reminded me of Jesse Smollett. Mm -hmm. So I remember when... Jesse Smollett lied through his teeth and was basically um, creating this hoax, you know, where two Nigerian guys were supposed to be white, uh, wearing MAGA hats, <laughs> carrying a noose around at 2 a.m. in freezing cold Chicago with a, bo- with a bottle of bleach. And somehow they were saying it's MAGA country. And we're supposed to believe that. Well, if you're going to hire and, actors, make sure they're the right race. And Chappelle, the comedian, he yeah. was like, the reason why black people weren't saying too much about it was we knew <laughs> you know? it's like and he, he had a pretty funny sketch about that but the idea was that um kamala harris and and cory booker were pushing this anti-lynching le- legislation i mean in 2019 whatever that was 2017 2018 whatever it was i mean i i just assumed that you know tying some some person of color up by a tree and setting them on fire was illegal. Yeah. Is that, is I th- that the case? I, I think it falls under murder. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think what they were trying to do, and I remember this when we were talking about it, is they wanted to get very, very specific and talk about anti-lynching specifically well, against African Americans. Associate it too with Trump. Right. Trump of supporters are all racist, right. right? So what better way to drive home the idea of Trump supporters are racist than to come up with an anti-lynching piece of legislation that can kind of reel in the Trump supporters from wanting to lynch the black people in America, right? Meanwhile, more and more black people went over to the Republican Party than in any time Uh in history uh, because you had fools running the show over the Democrat Party saying, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I mean, that's Biden. Why would Biden make a comment? It's so laughable. Yeah, but, (laughs) but there's just absolutely... It's crazy. So so right away, they all adopted. I mean, our vice president, what's her name? Kamala? Well, Kam- yeah, Kamala? There, there's all these instructions so, on how you're supposed to pronounce her name. So, Kamala. I yeah. think it's Kamala. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is that she bit on that thing. She just bit on it like a fish on a hook. And she was wrong. How, how terrible is it that we have these fools that are so easily duped by these things? And... 
they they put out these like little um, pieces of legislation to try to drive to try to drive home their point and sell their point. What a waste of taxpayer dollars playing this game of charades. Whatever happened to the time when the Democrats and the Republicans used to have earnest dialogue, you know, great debates. There was a time in our country where these two different uh, visions would compete, you know, and try to win the debate. You know, the only debate in town seems like that's uh, brewing right now is the one from um, uh, Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Green. Green, the Green New Deal. Congresswoman Green. uh, Marjorie Taylor Taylor Green. Yeah. And she challenged Ocasio-Cortez to a debate. Oh, that uh, I would be love interesting. to yeah, I would love to see that debate, and that would be a great debate. Um, let's listen to Steve Cortez because he kind of is going to be driving home a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk a little bit about China, but we're also going to talk about the boneheaded decisions of the Rhino country because they're holding an Orlando summit, mm-hmm. a summit in Orlando, right? And they did not invite President Trump to speak. Which tells and, you everything you want to know. Right. That they're not embracing America first. That someone like Liz Cheney realizes that Chirk Goose is cooked in 2022. And we're going to see to it. Magapack.org and BugleCall.org are going to see to it that we make a, make some inroads in terms of uh, rhinoing these, primarying these rhinos out of office. And we're going to do it with our messaging. But our messaging has got to be America first to make America great again. That's what our policies uh, agenda is. We're all about supporting America first policies that will make America great again. And frankly, we're not just going to say it and then ride off in the sunset on top of the stage. You know, a lot of what we're doing is behind the scenes. We're here in Washington. We do this show every day. That's part of it. That's part of the totally. apparatus. But you know, we see too many other um, other uh, other competing interests hijacking that same mantra. But what they're not doing, they're not doing it in a way that I think is earnest or full of integrity. I mean, one of the worst rollouts I've ever seen is this whole thing with uh, Mike Lindell and Frank's speech. Oh, yeah. Uh, you go to Frank's speech not right now, frankspeech.com. And all it is is a blog site. It's like a news site. And all you see is Mike Lindell up on the top of the screen mm-hmm. with his, you know, his blue shirt. And I love, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mike Lindell. I have no beef with Mike Lindell. None. I think he means well. But, you know, with all the millions of dollars that he's rolled out into this, this rollout that was supposed to be four weeks ago, they said two weeks, and all of a sudden, it was supposed to be this social media thing, and it's not really going anywhere. And what they've done with it so far is a bunch of broken links, and it's a news news fear newsosphere blogosite kind of thing where they're rolling out personalities to try to you know get on top of the stage and build some sort of a fanfare, and that's about one individual. And what I, what it is is I don't want an organization to be about any one individual. In fact, I'm the founder of buglecall.org and magapack.org. You wouldn't really know it. And one of our first events, uh, we're going to have an event probably before this one, 
but the one in August that, that were it's going to be a bigger event about religious freedom, and then the next one is going to be about election integrity. No, no, the next one is about education. The one after education, that is and then election elect- integrity. Oh, okay, yep. right. But the speakers aren't even going to be me. I speak on a daily basis. I can speak, but what it is is I, I we happen to have three religious scholars on our board: Brent Hamachek, Larry Fries, and C.L. Bryant are going to be some of our three featured speakers. But we're also going to get other speakers yes. as part of this Zoom event. But it's not it's not going to be about any one individual. That's the point. The point is it should never be about one person, and. That's the part that I scares me the most when I look inside the Republican movement because it's almost like replacing one bad apple after another. And I don't want to see that. What I need to see and what I'm dreaming and hoping about and what I'm trying to do every single day is really put the pieces back together that were shattered in the 2020 election. Because it's not even about Tr- Donald Trump. There's not a lot of Trumpism on magapack.org or buglecall.org. What it is, is about what he meant and what he stood for and what his rally speeches were all about and how he got us together and how he was a great leader and how he still is a great leader. And I will ride Donald Trump's coattails to the, to the, to the end of the prairie there. But the idea is, is that we don't we can't just have one guy doing all the work, Donald Trump. We gotta have hundreds, hundreds of Trumps in in all fifty states to to try to gain control of the narrative that the media has so uh, viciously beaten us down from the big tech censorship. I was talking with um Pakanin yesterday about this, and I said, you know, one of the ways we have to figure out a way to counterbalance the mandated vaccines or the chip in your arm and all these different technologies that are going to be, you know, kind of driven down, you know, with the vaccine passports and and the chips in your arms and the social media scores and all these things that we're talking about these days. They're scary, scary stuff where Twitch is owned by Amazon. And if you misbehave outside of the Twitch sphere, you could be thrown off of Twitch and literally Amazon could say, you're not social media worthy. You don't live in the conduct that we see fit. And so therefore you cannot buy from Amazon anymore. It's not just about you being deplatformed on Twitch. It's about you not being able to buy the food for your family because we deem you as um, not acceptable. Yes. That has nothing to do with the government. That has nothing to do with the Bill of Rights. That has to do with a private company that can do just about anything that they want. And somehow our government is allowing this to happen. And so far, that Section 230 hasn't even had a scratch on it. Not a dent. And we got to do something about it. And that's what we're trying to do because it's scary business, man. It's really scary business. But we're going to get back to that in, in a moment. But we're going to take a listen to Steve Cortez. He's one of uh, Trump's, you know, 
uh, confidants and one of Trump's uh, on the Trump team. And he's talking about George Bush, who was on Kimmel lately, Mm -hmm. laughing about Donald Trump and embracing the Clintons and the Obamas and the Hillary Clinton. Hillary. There is a relationship. There was a relationship between his father and Bill Clinton. Right. And they're just such swamp creatures. And they think right now they're winning. And this Orlando summit, where the Republicans are getting down there, and they're they're not even giving Donald Trump a platform. I think that's I reject that right out right on its face. Interestingly enough, I I posted this morning before the show uh, the new uh, presidential portrait that's going to be in the National Archives. Yes, uh, for President Trump. It's amazing they did try to fight that. I know. I'm surprised about that. Yeah, let's take a listen to Steve Cortez. He's going to be talking about George W. Bush. Who was a disaster for America, senseless war and horrible globalist trade deals that crushed middle America. I've been talking about middle class America for as long as I can remember. And as long as you have a strong, working, vibrant middle class, independent thinking, you cannot have socialism. But that's exactly what COVID and that's exactly what the socialists and the globalists are trying to do. They're trying to destroy middle class America and create a depending class across the board so they can reign supreme and gain control, kind of like Bill Gates and his scientific studies and his vaccines and all of his BS. But let's take a listen to Steve Cortez right now. George W. Bush was all over the airways this week, supposedly promoting his new book of paintings, but in fact maligning our America First movement constantly. He's now the new BFF of the corporate media in America. But let's talk about the real legacy. What did George W. Bush actually do to this country? And I want to go to the data, and I think there's two numbers that are particularly revealing. The first one, 4.6 million American manufacturing jobs lost while George Bush was president. Always remember, patriots, that he was the one who welcomed China with open arms into the World Trade Organization in 2001 on terms that were incredibly beneficial to Beijing and incredibly destructive to American manufacturing, particularly in the middle part of the country. The second awful number, 4,424 Americans killed in Iraq. Precious American souls lost because of a needless and senseless George W. Bush war that didn't make America one iota safer. Bush also delivered the unsurprising news that he didn't vote for Trump in 2020. And I say good, because you represent the past of the permanent political class. We represent the future of America first populist nationalism. America first populist nationalism. nationalism. That's what we're all about, folks. Exactly. He said it perfectly. America first national nationalist populism. Yeah. Write that down. That's a phrase I hadn't populist heard. Populist nationalism. Nationalist populism. No, the other way. Populist nationalism. Let's see. What did he say? <laughs> I or, think he said populist nationalism. Right, we'll you, see who's right and who's Of America right. first populist nationalism. You were right. <laughs> populist nationalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. I love yeah. that phrase. Yeah, that's exactly the right phrase. And, um, wow. Yeah. We had him on our show about five years ago, Steve, Steve Cortez? Cortez. Yeah, during the campaign. I love that guy. Yeah, we should have yeah. him on again. And uh, so Emerald Robinson writes, House, House Republicans are meeting in Orlando to discuss their po- uh, policy strategy for 2021 and 2022. Guess who they It's the House Republicans. Invite. Who is the keynote speaker? Well, it's not Donald Trump. They didn't invite him. Who's given, who is giving them poll guidance? Guess who? 
Frank Luntz. Frank Luntz, who hates Trump, yeah. is giving them poll guidance. In other words, they plan on losing in 2022. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. That's disgusting to me. Of course it's disgusting. Why, why are they not listening to the American people? 75 million people voted for President Trump. 81 million people did not vote for Joe Biden. They didn't. And you know why I know that for a fact? Because of the numbers associated with Oscars last night, or two nights ago. In that, in that there's no way that they dropped from 20-something million to 9.85 million. Right. I mean, that is just... you got to understand that those mask-wearing socialist fools were the propaganda to the Biden thing. And they have no one listening to them anymore. That should tell you everything you want to know right there. That's better than any poll, folks. When you have 9.85 million people saying, I am so fed up and sick and tired of the entertainment industry, of, of the sports industry, you take a look at the NBA and their numbers. Yeah. And you take a uh, look at the hit that LeBron James has taken because he sold out for China. Guy's dumb as a bag of rocks. And everybody knows it. And so the NBA and uh, NBC and NBC Universal and Disney, they're taking a hit, man. And they're taking a hit big, and they're going to be the next shoes to drop. You know, I go on Twitter. There's nothing on Twitter there's anymore. Not, there's nothing there's on no Twitter, information no. on Twitter, really. Well, you know, the purpose of movies and sports is diversion. We want to be entertained. We want to focus on something else. If people we, we come also out want, we, and they inspiration. do political, and we, exactly, you want inspiration. You want heroes that you can look up to. You want stories that you can relate to. But when you have people politically posturing it takes away from the experience it's no longer uh, you know baseball and apple pie it's suddenly somebody speaking their political views well, and who wants that and you had said it too i think you said it best and that was when you constant you you you've consistently been talking about like how every show you turn on there's got to be a transgender in the family there's got to be a mixed race relationship in the family there's got to be you know they got an illegal there's got to be a quota for everything i mean and the thing is that's not statistically accurate that's the thing that's interesting about this is we're suddenly defying statistics to make to make a point defying dis- defying statistics, statistics to yes. make a point yeah, define I mean, statistics. I mean, look, and again, this is going to sound inappropriate, but I don't care. Suddenly, every character has a mixed, has a best friend of another race. Suddenly, every family has uh, adopted an illegal immigrant child, or you know, or there's a transgender cousin. It's it's all being covered. We got to check the box, and checking the box is not representative of who we are as a country. I mean, yes, these are stories; these are real stories, but let's tell them in an honest way. Let's Let's not tell them in a way that is not representative of the real framework of the country. Well, Salon, uh, which is a left-wing rag. Yes, a left-wing rag. With a nice name, though. Salon has nothing to do with hair. No, no. Salon, you know why it's called Salon? Literary Salon, like Gertrude Stein, that type of idea. For real? That's the reason why it's called Salon. Okay. (laughs) It's got nothing to do with with getting your hair blowed out. (laughs) You just paid for your master's in literature. Good to know. Um, Bill Gates (laughs) says, 
Bill Gates says no to sharing vaccine formulas with global poor to end pandemic. Okay, Bill Gates says no to sharing vaccine formulas with global poor to end the pandemic. Health advocates blast Microsoft billionaire for saying patent protections on life-saving, basically for saying patent protections on life-saving vaccines must remain. So he's got a patent protection like Fauci does. And he's not going to share the vaccine formulas with developing or poor countries to basically end the pandemic. So Emma Robinson wrote a response to that, and she said, remember when they told you he was just a philanthropist and you were dumb enough to believe it? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And also Emma Robinson uh, said, who sold out America to China? Who shipped our jobs to communists? Here's a Lee Smith's DC list. Uh, Lee Smith, is uh, he wrote a book on um, yeah. Russian hoax and stuff like that. He's naming names. It was Henry Kissinger and Dianne Feinstein. It was George Herbert Walker Bush and Bill Clinton. So Dianne Feinstein and Chinese Communist Party go back a long way, but so do uh, Bill Clinton. And yes, I would say that Henry Kissinger is one of the worst Bilderberg Mm kind of guys. Yeah, totally. And it's it's amazing how uh, he had Trump's ear a little bit, but I think Trump just wanted to hear what he had to say. Mm -hmm. Didn't necessarily agree with him. When you see George W. Bush pushing amnesty, you must remember it was Bill Clinton and George Herbert Walker Bush who gave our manufacturing jobs to China. They passed NAFTA and the World Trade Organization. All the history books on the Bush clan will have to be rewritten. And that's true. You know, I remember Ross Perot. Remember him? Mm-hmm. And he said, it's going to be like a big sucking machine. He said NAFTA is going to be a big sucking machine where all the middle class manufacturing jobs are going to leave our country. And I was younger then, not really into, I was always into politics. I studied politics in college in the 80s. But I mean, I wasn't as astute as I am now, perhaps, right? Right. And you weren't doing it 24-7 as you are now. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I'm like, yeah, that's just obvious. Yeah. You open up the border, you open up the trade, and you, um, you you open up manufacturing in these places where people will work for a fraction of what Americans would work for each day. Yeah. And you got the unions, you know, pricing their manufacturing jobs out of out of competition, and that's what happened. I grew up in Ohio Valley. I grew up in the Rust Belt in the seventies and the eighties, or mostly the seventies, and. That was exactly when Japanese started making cars. Mm-hmm. They were making the Nissan Sentras and, and the Toyota Corollas and all these different low, and Toyota Camrys. And these cars were beating the pants off of the K car, you know, Lee Iacocca and Chrysler, stuff like that. We couldn't compete. And... You know, there was a movie that came out at the time uh, with Michael Keaton, um, uh, Gung Ho. Yes. That drove that home really well. It was a good film. And they drove that home. But the idea was, is is that our unions really did not think about the future. 
And what it was was they had we had people making fifteen dollars an hour when the average minimum wage was three thirty five an hour back then, and they were pushing a broom all night, and they were laughing about it. And these people would just laugh about it and say, "I got a gravy job," and if they try to fire me, they can't because of my I have my union. Yeah. So it was like a tenured job, and uh, meanwhile you got these manu you know Japanese automakers that were exploiting. Um, different kinds of um, Asian workforces uh, that were working for pennies on the dollar, and and putting our um, putting our putting our automobile industry to shame, yeah. and our steel industry, and then it became other industries, titanium and precious metals, and all kinds of different things. We were being outplayed completely. Uh, German held after racist attack on Syria caught on video. Well, we're going to get into Syria in a second with uh, what John Kerry did. Um, Liz, just in, Representative Liz Cheney is mulling a 2024 presidential bid, according to the New York Post. Yeah. And I look at that and I say, Liz Cheney has done nothing but get rich off of her job mm-hmm. because she's put herself first. I said, Liz won't even win her seat in Wyoming in 2022. This is a distraction by a politically out of touch America last loser who never hesitated to put America behind her own personal interest. She never hesitated to put America uh, behind her own personal financial Gains she acquired as a public servant. And she, of course, is part of the swamp because she's Dick Cheney's daughter. So, Right. Enron, the whole ball of wax. Yeah, yeah. Little do we know what a big sellout George W. Bush was. Yeah, we didn't but know But we that. should have known it when we, when we first heard Herbert Walker Bush. We should have known it. There were so many signs, actually. I, when you look back, it was, it was Herbert Walker Bush that was aligned with Stefan Halper, who was the, they called him the walrus, who was trying to set up um, uh, the Russian hoax and trying to set up um, uh, all these different uh, players, even George Papadopoulos and mm-hmm. and um, the guy we had on our Carter show. Carter Page. Carter Page. Uh, tried to set them all up, right? And was hanging out with a bunch of MI6 people in the swamp to try to overthrow President um, Trump's. Uh, and, and he tried to be a deputy secretary of state. And he was working these angles because, see, back in 1983, there was a news article written up in the New York Times and UPI that talked about Stefan Halper as being a, a mole within the Reagan White House. It wasn't, I think, 63 to 69 days. I forget what how many days it was. It was like 60-something mm-hmm. days where President Reagan was president for the first time in his history. And all of a sudden, you know, I thought it was odd that he would choose someone like Herbert Walker Bush as a vice president. Didn't make any sense to me, nor did it make sense that Trump would hire Pence. But like again, what we're talking about is the situation in the wake of Watergate. It's 1980. In the 1979, Stefan Halper and Herbert Walker Bush were trying to become president of the United States. They didn't account for Reagan. Reagan was sort of like Trump. And Reagan won. But somehow, Reagan hired Herbert Walker Bush. 60-something days into the Reagan administration, there's an assassination attempt by Hinckley. Yeah. And Hinckley has a, that their family has a dinner date with the Bushes that same week. 
You know, it's amazing how that story really didn't come out until the last few years. I I think people knew about it sooner than that, earlier than that. But no, but it, but it was never really talked about all that much. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about the coincidences, right? And then you read further. Now Stefan Halper is in the middle of this new thing, and he's part of the swamp. He hated Trump. We know several people that actually know Stefan Halper, and they hate Trump. So we know what circles Stefan Halper runs in here in D.C. We know that. Firsthand, not secondhand. Not third, firsthand. And I'm telling you that these are the same kind of players and the same kind of acts. You know, I was just watching some Watergate documentaries uh, again. And it's true that Gordon Liddy, you know, was in on the, the uh, plumbers with the plumbers and the burglary and stuff like that. But if you think for one second that Nixon needed that wiretap on the DNC to win an election that he won in a landslide despite all the bad press associated with Watergate. Think again. He didn't need it. He was set up by a bunch of people that sold out. And I think Gordon Liddy was one of those people that actually did sell out and bit on the hook and, and took the bait like a lot of these, you know, very aggressive, very red meat uh, right-wingers sometimes do. They are baited in, sort of like if you look at The Godfather and you look at Sonny. Sonny was too passionate. He was too emotional. Right. And they played off of that, and that's how he met his demise, is because they, they knew what his reaction was going to be because he was all in, chips all in. And Gordon Liddy was one of those red meat Republicans that was all in, and they played him. They set him up and they played him. And it was that setup, that hook, that enabled the plumbers that were actually probably working for the Democrat Party because they were socialists from Cuba, some of them, working within the CIA and sort of like the Bushians because we believe that Herbert Walker Bush was in Dali Plaza working on behalf of the CIA when JFK was shot. And I believe that's the reason why there's a five-year hold on some of the evidence that's supposed to come out about JFK is because there was still one person living, and that was Herbert Walker Bush. And there's a rule that says you got to be dead for at least five years before you can release the documents that reflect somebody that was involved. And that person had to have been Herbert Walker Bush. But in any case, neither here nor there. This was all swamp all the time. And like I said, the Russian hoax is no different than the Watergate plumbers. It was a setup because the cover-up was always going to be the way you got it. The cover-up was going to be the way you get impeached. And Nixon wasn't smart enough, hadn't seen this play before, and literally got his fingerprints into the cookie jar and made the mistake of getting involved in the cover-up. And Trump said on tape, on video, you know, uh, one thing I learned about Watergate was the cover-up could be worse than the crime, and I choose not to get involved. So I'll just let them do whatever they want to do. Now it's basically the fox guarding the, the, the foxes. It's not the fox guarding the hen house. There are no good apples. 
But basically, you have a, a charade, a charade of guards from the the black team guarding the black hats, not the white hats. And I think Trump outplayed them, but he was also outgunned. He didn't have the resources. He didn't have the army. He didn't have the media. He didn't even have a conservative party that supported him. He didn't have surrogates and pundits that he could trust within Washington, D.C. But this whole thing going back to the bushes, a bunch of swines, a bunch of pigs in a swamp, and we need to realize that they are just as much of the enemy as the Clintons were, as Obama was, and realize that we need to set a new path forward. And that path has to belong to America First principles and simplify our trade deals. These multinational trade deals are killing us. You know, we talked about it yesterday. You know, multiculturalism supports multinationalism. So when they bring all these refugees into Europe from Syria, or they bring all these caravans through our southern border into America, it impacts our middle class worse than it impacts any other class. It's not just our middle class. It's the middle class in Europe as well that makes it more difficult for them to find a job. And it makes it more powerful because these people that are dependent on the government tit for milk, right? I mean, the government teat, right? It's basically they're dependent on the morsels of crumbs to survive. Nobody really wants to live like that. No. But these people that are eating dirt and sand in Syria because their way of life was destroyed by people like George W. Bush had to leave, and it was all part of a plan. Like a matador with a red cape grooming a bull to run right smack into the wall or right smack into a spear. It's like bullfighting. It's like anything. It's like herding sheep, herding cattle. And the point is, is that these sick monsters at the top are exploiting all the impoverished pieces of the world and moving them like pawns around the globe to impact middle-class jobs. They engage in these multinational trade deals And the only benefactors of this are the multinational corporations owned by the richest people in the world. The richest, the Rockefellers of the world. The Rothschilds of the world. Benefit because they're in control of the banks. And they're in control of the corporations. And the corporations run by people like Bill Gates and and, uh, Jack Dorsey and, and Mark Zuckerberg. They're all ready to play ball because they don't they know there's one entity that's stronger than them. And that's the top elite, the aristocrats in Brussels, part of the globalist, re, you know, regime. And they want to be there at the top of the table. But it's also what spoils the identity for everybody. I remember back in 2000, I was in Paris. And I, was, I hooked up with this old guy who's a nationalist. 
and he was talking about how he didn't want to lose the franc to mm-hmm. euro. And he was talking about how he didn't want to lose his language to English. Right. He was a proud Frenchman. And we were sitting there at the bar, you know, kind of getting a buzz on and <laughs> shooting the crap. And it was a great time, really. It was fun. And I learned so much from this guy who could barely speak English, by the way. But we communicated, and it was fascinating. But one thing I learned is not too long after that, the franc was gone, the European, the euro came into play. Right. And, and what, everything he said was kind of true. And then, you know, the next time I went back to Europe, I couldn't, I couldn't get over how many McDonald's there were, how many Big Macs there were, how many Burger Kings there were, how many Lowe's or, or Home Depots or, or whatever, you know, Walmarts, right? How many Walmarts there were? It's like Walmart. So they lost their identity. You want a soda? You want to go and get a French soda? No, no. You're going to get a Coke. You're going to get a Pepsi. You're going to get a Mountain Dew. You're going to listen to American music. You're not going to listen to the French accordion anymore. You're not going to drink their drink. You're not going to get what you want. They lost their identity. The point is, is that this multinational corporation stuff is what's tearing, what's destroying culture. It's called multiculturalism. And what happens is, is when you try to do these melting pots where the where the uh, experimental Petri dish is your backyard. It's not Nancy Pelosi's gated community. It's not her community. That she's not, Angela Merkel's not the one that has to live with these refugees. Well, and that's the whole point. And you were talking about the Oscars at the very beginning of the show. Well, one of the evidences of this was with the Oscars because there was a homeless settlement that they were taking down yeah. so that the stars and their entourages, when they go in, wouldn't have to see it. Or explain it. Or explain it, exactly. But all those people that are uh, tramps, tramping on the stage, the, all those people that are coming out making their speeches, they're all for open borders. It's just not in my backyard. That's right. what it comes down to. Right. And the multiculturalism, um, a lot of people are reporting that multiculturalism isn't working out so no, well. No. And countries like Norway and Finland and Sweden, they're realizing this very quick. Well, they're me, ahead of the curve well, on this. Well, and they're me, saying, you know what? We are see what's happening in other cultures, and we don't want to lose our identity. We don't want to lose our culture, our way of life. We're just fine. Leave us alone. But the problem is, people misinterpret when you make a comment. They, they try to call it racism. Well, let me let me speak. They say they say that when you try to make a comment about you're against multiculturalism, that you're okay. It's all America first or America alone. That's not true. The idea is everybody should celebrate their own ethnicity. They should celebrate their ethnic pride. And one thing that makes America great is is that we are a country of many cultures. Plus, we have our own culture, and our culture is that we have this diverse history that includes the dutch the french the whatever the italians all the people that settled here but we but we never lost sight of what it means to be an american then why are they doing cancel culture now why are they doing cancel culture because that they they want to 
They want to morph the culture. They want to morph the culture, and they want to erase history. They're canceling gender. They're canceling gender. They want to erase history. Our history is the good, the bad, and the ugly, to quote the Clint Eastwood movie. They want, you know, you you cannot ignore the ugliness of your history. You can't whitewash it and pretend it didn't exist. But you also can't spend, you know, uh, centuries trying to to find reparations for something that happened a very, very long time ago. So multiculturalism, I think, is proven to be somewhat of a failure the way it was pushed down people's throats see what you can't have is you cannot have people meddling with mother nature and what with god's will and god's work it's not nice to fool with mother nature yeah but you know the multiculturalism it's social engineering and social engineering if it's not part of evolution if it's not part of evolving and and you know these things take time you can't just you just can't plant a seed and have a plant the next day you know that's not the way it works you need it time wor- for your garden to grow yeah there, there's a there, it takes time multiculturalism takes a lot more time than what george bush and bill clinton and barack obama have in mind right these globalist swamp creatures they want it overnight they want it in one lifetime they're they're impatient and it's coming at the expense of so many Multiculturalism supports multinationalism, which supports multinational corporations who have the seat at the table and can put mom-and-pop hardware stores out of business, mom-and-pop restaurants, mom-and-pop this and that. And no longer can you go to New York and get a flavor of New York. It used to be that you would get this old New Yorker who ran a store for 25, 35 years. No longer. It's a bank on every corner. It's a gentrified system. You know, I remember going south on the East Coast, south of the border. Now it's a bunch of McDonald's and stuff like that. It's no longer, you know, some some individually owned thing. It's We've lost our way. And not only are we losing our identity, where the south is looking like the north and the north is... It used to be that you go to New England, you've got a New England thing going. Now it's, you don't know where you are. What city am I in? I can't tell. I can't tell the difference. Am I in Paris or am I in Madrid? Am I in Frankfurt? Where am I? It all looks the same. There's no identity. And not only is there no identity in terms of your atmosphere and the multicultural, uh, multi-corporate corporation, multinational corporations that have taken over every neighborhood in the world, but they're lying to you every step of the way. They're buying up coastal properties, and they're not worried about flooding, but they'll tell you that Armageddon's coming and climate change is an existential threat. Our Secretary of Defense told us this. They're not just trying to disappear, take away your identity. They're trying to take away your religion and replace it with government. They're trying to take away your gender and replace it with androgyny. They're trying to say that there's, it, uh, there's not just a y, an X and a Y chromosome. They're trying to tell you it's something more than that. That there's six degrees of that. There's not. They're lying to you. They're lying to you about climate change. They're lying to you about gender. They're lying to you about every single thing. And why are they lying to you? They're lying to you to fulfill their agenda. And we got to stop it. 
before they put a vaccine in our arm or before they put a chip in our arm, before they give us a social media score and tell us where we can eat and where we can't eat, where we can fly and where we can't fly, where we can go, what we can do, what we can say. Right. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's got to stop real quick. Liz Wheeler writes, I literally can't believe John Kerry told the Iranian regime about Israel's convert, c- covert operations against them. Imagine choosing a terror-sponsoring regime over our closest ally in the Middle East. Totally disgusting. That's what's going on with people like John Kerry and Jane Fonda, his best buddy, right? You know, together they were they were uh, selling out America on behalf of Vietnam. Absolutely. Charlie Kirk writes, ratings for the Oscars last night were down 58% from last year's already record low numbers. I guess Americans don't actually want to be lectured on politics by millionaire celebrities who hate America. The Bradford Frile writes, Trump was right. George Bush is a ruling class fraud, just like Biden, Clinton, and Obama. Greg Price writes, Oscar ratings went from 43.7 million in 2014 to 23.6 million in 2020 to 9.8 million last night. So, um, yeah, and then China applauds return of NBA urges it to undertake lobbying for China in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, the NBA, another sellout organization that hates America. Um, also, Air Force grounds all B-1Bs after incident at Ellsworth Air Force Base. So our military is in decline again. And... Um, it says, uh, let's see, this is, um, oh, is it going to read this? Uh, oh, so Trump's photo installed in presidential ex- ex- exhibit in National Portrait Gallery. So I just wanted to get some of the latest news. AZ officials confirm ultraviolet method is currently being used to identify creases and watermarks in ballots. But the new judge in the Maricopa County uh, audit case was not only appointed by Democrat Janet Napolitano, he was he has ties to the Mark Elias firm, Perkins Coey. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, that's uh, pretty scary stuff. They're fighting a tooth and nail, folks, because they know that there was fraud in the 2020 election. And with that, uh, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to email scott at scottadamshow.com if you want to get the address to make a donation for on behalf of Al Locke and his memorial uh, for the stained glass windows at his church. Um, at, and you can also visit 1180wfyl.com for more details and information. Uh, well, with that, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Corvetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.